I know it's a girl. You can scoop back into the pew. She ain't going to bite you, bud. You don't trust her. She is trustable. Good morning, family. We're going to do things a little bit differently this morning. If you haven't noticed, uh, because of its East, the Easter holiday, we're going to have the kids help me out with the lesson this morning. I know they're looking forward to it, especially Fallon. If you're visiting with us, we're glad you're here. Stick around so we get to know you a little bit better. Fill out one of those cards that's on the back of the pew in front of you so we can have a record of your attendance. Before we get into the lesson, just a few announcements to remind you of. They're singing this Thursday at our place, 7 to 8. Uh, if you're wanting to attend that, come on over and we'll just, we're going to learn some new songs. We're going to learn some old songs that young people don't know uh, through the course of it. Also, this Saturday is Camp Red Oak Springs Cleanup Day. If you're interested in that, see Nick for the details on how you can help prepare the camp for the camp this year, campground for the camp this year. Work is available for all ages and skill sets. This is not being held off for only people who have certain skills or ages. Also, May 13, cookout at our house. Give me your RSVP so I know how much meat to provide. And then starting in June, first Saturday of the month at 7 a.m., we're going to beginning, be beginning Excuse me, our Rise Up Men's Bible Study for all men 18 and older to attend that. And that's all we got for announcements. What is today? Easter, Easter right? Something special about this day? Hold on, buddy. Give him the whole lesson. Just relax. <laughs> we get the first slide. There we go. So Easter is one of those holidays that just continually changes throughout history, right? Uh, do we, you think we celebrate Easter today the same way that the people did 200 years ago? No. Nah, probably not. You know, we've taken stories from German immigration or immigrants, and we've melded them with early Christian and even shocker, pagan practices to actually celebrate today in the various forms of how we celebrate Easter. And honestly, I think it's a natural process for people that love God to look for things that will be symbols, rem reminders, whatever it is, to help us understand and learn better what God created. And then we can make those applications uh, with the spiritual meanings in our lives as we identify those different symbols. One of the symbols that's very popular today is the egg, right? Uh, you look at the egg, and it's long held to be the symbol of life. Uh, and it makes sense, right, to think about Jesus when you look at an egg, doesn't it? What do you, in order to get the egg out of it, what do you got to do? Yeah, crack that shell, bust that tomb open, and get that thing out there and start cooking it up from, for some deliciousness. But do you know why, where egg rolls originate? Not the actual, in the restaurant, like egg rolls originated, how they originated? Because that was the symbol of the tomb being rolled open, the stone in front of the tomb being rolled away. And that's where it all comes from. And one of the more impactful stories, I know you guys are getting bored, give me a minute. One of the more impactful stories that I read about the practice of Easter actually came from the early, early Christianity, around the 600s. Uh, and it was, back then, Lent was a big deal to them. Yeah, and I know that you may have an opinion on Lent. We're not going to get into that this morning. I just want to read to you what the Council of Truo said. It said, It seems good, therefore, that the whole church of God, which is in all the world, should follow one rule and keep the fast perfectly. 
And as they abstain from everything which is killed, so also should they from eggs and cheese, which are the fruit and produce of those animals from which we abstain. So they wouldn't even eat eggs and cheese during this time period. And what they ended up doing was that they began practicing saving and boiling the eggs in order to eat them when the fast was broken. Okay? Now these eggs would be traditionally decorated in bright colors because it symbolized the joy of the resurrection and everything that they felt. I bet you never knew that when you were dying eggs with your kids just worrying about the mess on the table, huh? They would also be passed out to the poor who couldn't afford eggs. There's a story of a man who purchased 400 eggs to do that in his village. Knowing that there were a lot of people who could not afford meat to break the fast, he bought the eggs, boiled them, decorated them, and delivered them to everyone in his village. That's pretty cool, right? When you start thinking about the spirit of what is happening, what a way to symbolize Jesus who helped us in what we desperately needed. So what I want to do this morning is I want to use the egg as our object lesson. Uh, And I want us to think about using the egg in telling the story of Jesus's last week and resurrection. And now I hate to break your hearts on this. I'm not passing out hard-boiled eggs this morning. I don't think your parents would appreciate that. They would. (laughs) They would. They would. Okay, well, maybe next year. But what we are going to use is a more modern invention. Not the communion tray top that I just dropped on the floor. The plastic egg. I do want some help with this. Give me a second, though. Relax. What I want to do is I want to have you guys gather around the table, okay? And what we're going to do is we're going to use these plastic eggs to tell the story of Jesus, okay? And this is really important, guys because most of the adults need these kind of lessons so they understand what's going on, right? Okay, so why don't you guys come up, gather around the table, come on. If there's anybody else out there that's three years old to fifth grade, I see some of you adults like, I want to come up. No. (laughs) Three years old to fifth grade want to come up. Come on up and help me out with this, all right? So what we're going to do, let's move this to the center here. We're going to open these eggs in order, okay? Now, each inside each of these eggs, you hear that? is something that's going to tell us the story of Jesus. Okay? All right, so who's opening this one? Me. All right, now, you only get to open one egg, so you get acting crazy. Okay? Fallon, open it up. What is that? A donkey. A donkey. How would the donkey be a part of the story of Jesus? You have answered far too many questions this morning. You're obviously <laughs> smart. Let's let some of these other kids have a chance. Fallon? Okay, Fallon gets it right. The story of Jesus' death begins with him riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. And we actually read about this in Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. Matthew records, it says, When they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, and Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there. Hold on. Calm down. A donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. 
If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them, and he sat on the coats. Most of the crowd spread their coats in the road. Others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. The crowds going ahead of him and those followed were shouting, Hosanna to the, king, the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred saying, who is this? And the crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. So the story begins with Jesus riding a donkey into Jerusalem. Who's opening this? Something's in this one. Whoa. Sounds like money. You got it? Whoa, what's in there? Money? Now, that's not real money, is it? Yeah, no, it's fake. But this, it looks like silver. What would silver money have to do with the story, Fallon? You've already answered. Anybody else? What would silver money have to do with the story of Jesus? I'm purposely ignoring you. Nobody? Go. So, um, it would probably be like the donations of money to the temple. Possible. Possible, but that's not what this 30 pieces of silver would talk about. Fallon? That's right. 30 pieces of silver to betray our Lord. In Matthew chapter 26, 14 through 16, then one of the 12 named Judas Iscariot went to the chief priests and said, what are you willing to give me to betray him to you? And they weighed out 30 pieces of silver to him. From then on, he began looking for a good opportunity to betray Jesus. Okay? What do you, you got this one, Brina? What is that? A cup. What would a cup be in this story? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, this is the Holy Grail. The Last Supper. Okay. We read about that in Matthew chapter 26, 17 through 19. You doing all right, Quinn? Okay. Relax. Matthew 26, 17 through 19 says, Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is near. I am to keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. The disciples did just as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. So, so far, we have Jesus riding in on a donkey, Judas betraying him for 30 pieces of silver, and Jesus eating the Passover with his disciples. Something in here you think? Levi, you want to open it? Corbin, you be patient. Whoa, what is that? Hands, what are they, what are they doing? They're praying. All right, Fallon, you have answered a lot. Let's let somebody else. What does it mean, though, for, the, for Jesus' story? Do we, did, did Jesus pray? Yes. 
Where? In the garden. Yeah, good job. You guys are doing well with this story. You seem to know it. That Jesus is going to pray in the garden. We read about this after they've eaten the supper and he goes to the garden. In Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 44, Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go over and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond and fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass for me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, so you men could not keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, my father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. Again, he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy and he left them again and went away and prayed a third time saying the same thing once more. Wow. How many? All right, Corbin, I'll let you open it. Smack it on the table. All right, what is this? What is that, Corbin? It's a chicken. It's a chicken. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. What do you guys think? Relax. What do you guys think a chicken or a rooster has to do with the story of Jesus's last week? Not Judas. Not Judas. Listen to me. Not Judas. Oh, you got Okay, gotcha. Yep. All right, good job. Where Peter denies knowing Jesus at his trial. Three times, right? Look at what the scriptures say in Matthew 26, 69 through 75. It says, now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him and said, you too were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all saying, I do not know what you are talking about. When he had gone out to the gateway, another servant girl saw him and said to those who were there, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. I don't know the man. A little later, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, surely you too are one of them for even the way you talk gives you away. Then he began to curse and swear. I do not know the man. And immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word which Jesus had said, before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. You You're welcome very much. What do we got? It's, it's a, crown. a crown of? Thorns. Thorns. Crown of thorns. Who can tell me about the crown of thorns that hasn't already answered? Yes. Um, That's right. They put it on Jesus's head. A crown of thorns in John chapter 19, verses 2 and 3. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and put a purple robe on him. And they began to come up and, to say, and say to him, Hail, King of the Jews, and give him slaps in the face. Oh. <laughs> okay, who's, who's, who's got the next one? Because there's still stuff in these eggs. Are you guys hearing this? Quinn, all right. What is that? 
Now, who can tell me, other than Fallon and this young man right here, what the cross has to do with the story of Jesus' last week? Quinn? He was crucified on a cross. That's right. John chapter 19, 17, and 18. They took Jesus, therefore, and he went out, bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two other men, and on either side, one on either side, excuse me, and Jesus in between. You guys noticing there's stuff in every one of these eggs? It's a die. Okay. What do you think a dice has to do, or a die has to do, with the story of Jesus? Well, okay. They did. Not the third day. Let's see what the Bible says about this. John chapter 19, 23 through 25. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his outer garments and made four parts, a part to every soldier and also the tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece. So they said to one another, let's not tear it, but cast lots for it to decide whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture. They divided my outer garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Weird, right? Therefore the soldiers did these things. Boy, we are getting, getting close. What is in this? Whoa. What is that? Does it smell like anything? Smells yummy. What does it smell like, guys? What's that smell like? Yeah, it smells like vinegar. Why would it smell like vinegar? Fallon? You are right about that, but wrong for what a sponge smells like that for. Yes, sir. That's what they gave him to drink. John chapter 19, while Jesus was hanging on the cross. After this, knowing that all things had already been accomplished to fulfill the scripture, said, I am thirsty. It's up there for them, guys. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine upon a branch of hyssop and brought it up to his mouth. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So Jesus has died. All right, hold on. Slow down. Smell it. Smell it. What does it smell like? Pass it around and smell it. What's that smell like, guys? Peppermint? Not quite. There's no peppermint in there. So here's something that you guys probably don't know. That myrrh and aloe, and this is something for the adults too, 75 pounds of spices were used to prepare Jesus' body for burial. 75 pounds. And they used a mixture of oil, spices, that they would soak the rags in to wrap a person's body as they were being prepared for burial. Look at what the scriptures say. 
in John. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen wrappings with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had been laid. Therefore, because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. What do you got? A rock. Yes, sir. Hey, good job. They put a large stone in front of the tomb. Matthew chapter 27, 59 and 60. Jesus, sorry, and Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the entrance of the tomb and went away. All right, hold on. All of these eggs had something in them, right? What do you think is in this egg? Look. In a minute. What's in that egg? Nothing. Why do we have an empty egg talking about Jesus, guys? Because the tomb is empty. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 6. He is not here. He has risen. The greatest news ever proclaimed to people. Come and see where he was lying. See, often we talk about Easter and we get wrapped around with Easter bunnies and eggs and everything else, right? But you know something? Hey, pay attention. No bunny loves you like Jesus. I know. No no one, no bunny, no person loves you like Jesus. And the story of his last week is proof of his love. Not like Jesus. And this is the story of proof. And so what I want to do, focus, focus. What I want to do is give you something to take home to help you remember this. Okay? As I went through the eggs... And going over all of the different scriptures, I'm going to send you guys home with 12 eggs each. But there's not hard stuff inside there. There's stickers inside each egg, and there's a sheet that you can go through to remind yourself of the story of Jesus in his last week to help you remember it over and over and over again. And you can have your parents help you as you're doing this, okay? So I'm going to give these to you, and I'm going to send you back to your parents. I'm beginning to think your arm was born. You were born with your arm up. Go on, back to your mom and dad. Or your grandparents or whoever loves you. Thanks, guys. Couldn't have done it without you. So oftentimes we get wrapped up in our minds and in our thought process as adults, and the significance of the resurrection gets lost in the pageantry of the day. And I know at times it's hard to focus on what we're supposed to be focusing on as children of God and followers of Jesus. 
and we can get locked into an idea that we only need to remember the resurrection of our Lord one day of the week. And that is the lie of the enemy. Because it's his resurrection that guides us. It's his resurrection that gives us hope for life. Because without Jesus' resurrection, without the empty tomb, we have no hope. That's Paul's argument in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That it's that resurrection, that risen, living Savior that guides our daily lives. It gives us hope, not just for today, but it gives us hope for the future because if God is powerful enough, and Chris had made mention of this in his comments, if God is powerful enough to raise his son from the dead, is he powerful enough to fulfill his promise to us? Yes. And we live according to that promise because I don't serve a dead savior. I serve a living savior. And the resurrection is proof of that, that darkness has been driven away by the living Savior. Not some man-made institution, not some holiday, but something that transcends all of those things. And it's that empty tomb that defines life. It guides us. It strengthens us for the task ahead. So let's be a people that live according, according to an empty tomb and not one without hope where we think it's just nonsense, but we embrace the reality of it. We're gonna sing a song. I believe it's He Lives. And if we don't sing this loud, proud, full of fire and desire, we've got a serious problem. Because He does live. He lives for you, He lives for me. And during the time of us singing this song, you find yourself feeling dead inside and not embracing the reality and truth of a real, true, living Savior, this is the time to make that change in your mind and in your heart, to embrace the truth of a risen Savior who sits at God's right hand for our benefit. Call on him. He has promised to save. He has the power to save. If we can do anything for you this morning, we encourage you, make it known by coming forward while we stand and sing. Eric.